and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This is a spoiler-free podcast. So whether you're watching for the first time, or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary from a 21st century lens. Thank you for listening. Now, on to the episode. Season 6, Episode 8, Tabula Rasa, and we have another guest star, guest host joining us today. We're so lucky. Welcome, Lily Anderson. Hi! <laughs> Welcome back. So we had Lily on the podcast, was it last year? Feels like it's been forever. Like maybe a year and a half ago. No. Yeah, it was during Season 5, I think. Wow. I would have looked it up. But anyway, we had Lily on for a bonus episode. Uh, we interviewed you about the Buffy book that you wrote called Big Bad. Yes. And since then, it's it's out. It's in the world. People can read it. Um, and now I get to be here talking to you lovely folks about one of my favorite episodes. Yes. Uh, I think you mentioned at some point, I don't remember if you said it while we were talking on the podcast or if we were just talking about something else, but you mentioned Tabula Raza was one of your favorite episodes and we're like, we got to have Lily back for your thoughts on this episode. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me. I am a huge season six defender slash apologist. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good because uh, we've been going through the motions <laughs> of the season. <laughs> and I was saying before watching these episodes that I'm not really into season six. It's a little bit dark for me, but I've been greatly enjoying it so far. Like Cara and I have been breaking it down to the point where I'm like, all right, all right, all right. Like I'm seeing the positivity of the season amongst all the negativity. And this episode, I think, really stands out. I thought that Once More With Feeling, the, the episode previous to this, was going to be like... It was all right, but, it you know, fine, fine, it was lacking something. No, I thought it was going to be like the light, the shining light in this dark season. But turns out, Tabula Rasa might be <laughs> that shining light. So before we get into it... Lily, um, obviously, Steph and I have recapped the previous seven episodes of season six so far. Buffy has come back from the dead. We just found out last episode, like everybody found out that she was actually in heaven until the Scoobies brought her back against her will. Uh, she just kissed Spike, which is where we're going to start in a moment. Um, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to weigh in on anything that's happened so far this season from previous episodes. Is there anything that stands out in your mind is like oh that was a really funny moment or do you have like a little rant about something from an earlier <laughs> episode you want to speak in here i don't think i have a lot of rants um i i do i love that the trio is here i think the trio is uh, a great season villain um because this in general season six is pure camp it's pure camp. It's pure melodrama. Tabula Rasa is like the pinnacle of that. But I think having the, the trio of nerds as your your big bads, it's just such a gift. It's so wonderful to see um, 
three little white men doing what they do best, which is being the absolute worst. <laughs> yeah, and I think it only it only gets better from here. It is an interesting turn of events at the beginning of season six for them to just be like, oh, by the way, heaven's totally real. Don't think about that too hard. Uh, don't think about what else might be real if heaven is real. No, it's fine. It's just, um, yeah, I think that's the extent of my, my rantiness great. up to present, other than the fact that, you know, obviously once more with feeling is great. No notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Steph, do you have an alternate title for this episode? It's all Willow's fault. <laughs> Reap what Makes you sense. sow, maybe? Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I would call it Don't You Forget About Me. Interesting. Ooh. Like, perhaps the song? Is that what you're referencing? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Can I pitch one? Yes. Of course. Fire safety for witches. <laughs> yes, thank you. I'm going to bring that up. I brought you and I. We're on the, we're on the same page. Oh, Flowers in a bag wait. is what I would call this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! So this this episode is utter chaos. I love it. Um, and as I was watching it and taking notes, it goes by incredibly quickly. You know, and like when you think about it, not a lot happens, but so much happens you know like but like action wise not a lot is happening and i love that i love that in a note taker so let's get into it let we start off with buffy wandering the cemetery on patrol at night and here it is you guys and i'm so happy that lily is here because lily you're you live in california that is correct (laughs) buffy's wearing her winter california gear again and I need you to explain this. <laughs> Buffy Ann loves a coat. She loves a coat. She loves a sweater jacket. She needs it. I just, she hides her arms like she has secrets. Um, maybe she's just too ripped and she can't let anybody know. That's um, probably exactly I, it. Yeah. I really don't believe that anyone in California needs that much uh winter apparel but i think she's in it for the fashion you know you know who else loves a jacket every single vampire (laughs) maybe they also have secrets to hide (laughs) (laughs) what i noticed about this outfit was that it's like all white like the top is all white and everything and (laughs) right like she's an angel (laughs) she's a fallen angel remember there, it, there's the symbolism there. She's dressed in white. Spike is dressed in black. I get it. But, like, we're not the metaphor podcast, right? We're not becoming <laughs> Buffy. Um, we're here about <laughs> mocking the practicality of Buffy's slaying outfits. That's so hard to clean. Like, you're going to get all this dust and dirt on it from rolling. You're going to get vamp dust on it. You're going to roll around on the ground in it. Like, yeah. Like, why are you wearing white to slay, Buffy? She has nothing left to lose. <laughs> right. <laughs> She's been dead. <laughs> um, she's slaying in the coat itself, though. You know, like I think she chose to slay in fashion as opposed to slay practically. It is a beautiful coat. I, I would, I would have it. I would. I have similar coats to that, but not as pristine white as she has it. Um, something is stalking her from behind, and that makes sense because it is her stalker. Spike is here. <laughs> they stare at each other, and Spike says, "Can we talk?" And Buffy says. Vocal cord wise, yes. With each other, no. And she starts to walk away from him. And he says, we have to talk. And she says, about what? 
and he says we kissed Buffy and she's like so <laughs> so she starts to walk away from him he follows her and he says we kissed you and me all gone with the wind with the rising music and the rising music what was that Buffy and Buffy says a spell and Spike's like don't come all prim and proper on me I know what kind of girl you really are don't I uh. yeah so I, I know, actually, I'm curious to hear Lily's thoughts on these things, because Kara and I notoriously find Spike a pervert because we spent all of season five with him. We don't look forward in the podcast. We only comment on what we see. So, um, yeah, he hasn't had a great time on this podcast with us. <laughs> I know. And it's it's hard. It's hard for me as uh, an OG Spuffy gal. But I, I understand because you're looking with a modern lens and a modern lens, we're adults and we're not 13 year old girls discovering ourselves via <laughs> Spike. And so that's such a great way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. As an adult woman who is aware of what men are like. Yeah. Okay. He's bad. It's bad. to It's bad to stalk people. It's, it's bad to be Spike. But the 13 year old girl in me is who actually watches Buffy when I rewatch and she's just so delighted that he's there. She mm -hmm. just wants more kissing to happen <laughs> and maybe she gets it. And that's wonderful. Um, but yeah, he's just, it's hard. Yes. Obviously he's a creep, but he's a creep that I love. <laughs> mm. uh, the eternal struggle of every spike curly. I, I, I get that, you know, as, as much as I'm, I'm not into spike, I'm not into angel. Like, but, like, I understand that struggle of, like, oh, like, I'm into this, but I know I shouldn't be into this. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, in general, when you look at the men on the show, like, Angel's also a creep. Angel's watching yeah. Buffy for years. She's 16 years old. It's not a good look. And, in, you know, Angelus aside, soul having aside, Angel does a lot of the same stuff that Spike does of, like... He's just obsessed with her and she's the only one for him and tragic doomed but romance. Notice when they break up that Angel leaves Sunningdale. <laughs> Spike has not done that yet. <laughs> we were talking about this in the previous episode. We're like, yeah. Spike, you could just leave. He has nowhere to go. <laughs> this is Why his is that chosen... problem. <laughs> it's not Buffy's problem. Yeah. But this is his like chosen found family he's just like a little kicked dog like you know angel didn't like having him around either drusilla didn't like having him around that much either <laughs> no one likes having him around he's got nowhere to be lily do you want to fix him of course i Can do you change him with lily <laughs> what if he got a soul you guys what is impossible impossible it is not gonna happen but it's happened before uh. it could happen never say never um, but hey, I love the passion coming from you over here. We we so rarely hear it on the podcast. So there it is. Uh, Spuffies who are still listening to us for some reason. There it is. <laughs> but um, yeah, when he says, I know what kind of girl you really are. Like these are the things that he's been saying leading up to this. This is part of his seduction of Buffy that he started in season five, right? Like Buffy, you have a dark side. Embrace to you. the darkness within yeah. you. Like you're dark. I'm dark. We should be dark he's kind together. Of, he's kind of pull it in Dracula. You notice? <laughs> he wishes he he's not as small yeah exactly uh so buffy says what we did is done but i will never kiss you spike and never touch you ever ever again but then 
she automatically pushes him down, <laughs> then lands on top of him because a stake shoots out of the air and embeds in a tree. And it's a lone shark man, I called him. I think he, does he have a name? Do they ever say his name? Not in the episode, but his name in, I think it's canon. I, I don't know if it's comics or something. His name is Teeth. Teeth. Okay, well, that makes sense. Well, on a different TV show that may or may not exist in a parallel timeline to this TV show, his name is Broos. Broos. Yeah, with a oh. with an apostrophe. Broos. <laughs> I put it in a book. Oh, wonderful. Oh, yes. Sorry, Teeth is the nickname. You're correct. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Okay, so he has a name. I called him Lone Shark. This uh, all through my notes. So we'll call him. What are we gonna call him? Teeth. Nah, Lone Shark. <laughs> Lone shark because like, it reminds me of left shark and that's what i'm gonna say so um he's standing with his vampire henchman and he's like easy boys no need to get physical is there mr spike and spike's like what do you what do you want and the lone shark says me a lot of things i would like mr spike a house in bel-air with a generously sized swimming pool and of course the 40 siamese that you owe me <laughs> And Spike's like, take it easy. You'll get your kittens. And Buffy's listening to this and she's rolling her eyes and she's like, oh God, what is it with you guys? Why kittens? Why can't you just use money like everyone else? And the lone shark's like, she's funny. I like funny in a girl. And Spike's like, for uh, he asked for more time. And the lone shark says, time, time, time is what turns kittens into cats. I don't want to see anyone get hurt. And he's like, boys? And the vampires approach them. Buffy jumps up and she dangles from a tree branch and kicks one of the vampires in his chest and then when she lands she says you better close your eyes and then she shoves spike and beats up the other vamp like some you know, lots of action here and the vampire says she was a, i told you she was a slayer boss and he says good for you the vampire slayer have you ever given thought to freelance work a little debt collection perhaps and buffy's like no thank you and i was like whoa 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 don't be so hasty buffy all right like let's just think about this for a second you need money. This guy will give you money, assumingly not kitten money, like actual money. Maybe. What if he <laughs> Maybe. only gave her kittens? What if for every debt she collected, she was just drowning in kittens? Just little kitty fantasticos everywhere. I do, I do think it's so interesting that this scene basically continues the world building that we had from two episodes ago, or sorry, three episodes. No. Yeah, three episodes ago, where we had the kitchen poker, right? And that was, it seemed like that was a one-off gag. And now it's like, there's actually a whole underground kitten economy in Sunnydale. And it's like, mm. I want that TV show. I want that episode. <laughs> we need that spinoff. But yeah, that, I mean, that that was my thoughts. So I was like, I don't know, Buffy, maybe just go, like you're already beating up demons. Like why not just beat it up for a little bit of money? Like Anya was saying. So um, Spike has taken off <laughs> and the lone shark just says, we'll locate Mr. Spike and talk to him a little bit more. Genuine pleasure. And he says that to Buffy. And Buffy says to herself, if I would just stop saving his life, it would simple things up so much. And I was like, you are preaching to the choir. Buffy. We've been saying that since season four. Like, why don't you just stake him? <laughs> Cut to credits. We open up the next scene, uh, a very serious scene um, at Xander's apartment. Xander, Anya, Willow, and Tara are having tea and they're discussing what they learned in Once More with Feeling that Buffy was in heaven. And I was genuinely surprised to see Tara there because last episode, Tara learned that uh, Willow cast a spell on her and made her forget their fight. And like, was nothing discussed between then and now? Like, has it been a day? Like what's like, 
I, I can't believe I mean, she's just like, let's go to this, <laughs> let's go to this meeting together and not discuss it ever. I, I think she just has to sit with it for a while, right? Like when you discover something of that enormity, she, she can't, like Tara's not one for rash action. So I think Tara's just kind of sitting with things. And I think she's, because Willow doesn't know that she knows. I, I think that Tara's just giving herself time to sort out her feelings and also kind of keeping an eye on how Willow's acting. Yeah, I would believe that Tara has a water moon, like maybe a Pisces moon, and she just has to really marinate in her feelings for a few days before she takes action. That's great defensing uh, for for <laughs> Tara, because <laughs> I was just like, "What is she doing here?" I'd be I'd be out. I'd Apparently, be so her birthday is October, October sixteenth. I don't know what sign that is. Oh, she's a Libra, maybe. <laughs> okay makes sense all right so anya is speculating out loud uh whether buffy was walking on clouds and wearing birkenstocks and playing the harp while she was in heaven and she says burks aren't flattering and i was like uh screw you anya (laughs) sometimes you gotta wear burks totally in these days (laughs) also saying that to willow and tara feels like (laughs) She's throwing down a gauntlet. Like mm. those are Birkenstock ladies with the with especially this season, like last episode, they were very much in sort of like Ren Fair chic. Tell me there weren't Birkenstocks <laughs> in their musical number. Yes, absolutely. So Anya, that's rude. Okay. <laughs> everyone is staring at Anya and she says, I'm just saying what everyone's thinking, right, baby? And Xander says, you're attractive and have many good qualities. So Tara says, it's not stupid to wonder what it was like for Buffy, but it could have been any of the zillion heavenly dimensions. All we know, it was a good place and she was happy there. Ah, there's a zillion heavenly dimensions. Then I guess there's also a zillion well, demon dimensions. We have an expert in Buffy verse dimensions on this podcast with us because that is literally what Big Bad is all about. Mm-hmm. So, Lily, like, what's going on here with all these different heaven and demon dimensions? Heaven dimensions, yeah. I I wonder because the demon dimensions you hear, you know, you have your prototypical world without shrimp, you know, and you have the different dimensions that demons live in when they're not on earth, like where they originate from. And so I guess heaven dimensions are like the inverse of that. Right. Except I don't think we've ever heard about this before or after. Um, I don't want to speculate about what could come after this, but I have very little awareness as to what other things are in heaven because I think it's a really sticky point to start building mythology around of like, I don't know, whose religions may or may not be canonical in this uh, TV show. Yeah, Angel gets into it a little <laughs> bit more of the TV series and they're, they are very, very like careful to keep things very vague. Yes, they're their heaven is their heavenly creatures are the powers that be which is a very delicate way of being like whoever is in charge of heaven and so i think here being like oh it's dimensions like hell dimensions is sort of saying well maybe buffy was just like Uh, in her own perfect world and it wasn't like what we would think of as heaven maybe she was just like reunited with joyce maybe she was eating a shrimp buffet (laughs) who's to say dinner in a bag for every meal yeah just perpetual dinner in a bag every single day that's the heaven i want to be part of okay i'm sorry hand raise uh canucks 
can I call you Canucks? What's a dinner in a bag? <gasps> no, this what? is a Buffy thing. Oh, this is a Buffy thing. It is? Remember in season one, Angel is a, just a hot guy to her. She doesn't know he's a vampire. He's staying in her bedroom for some reason. So she goes upstairs and she says, I brought you dinner and it was in a Ziploc bag and no, no fork, no plate. He's just like on her bed. And we were like, we lost our minds. We lost our minds because we were like, Buffy, this guy's way too sexy for you to be giving him dinner in a bag like this. Okay, that's teen girl logic to the max of oh. like, I don't know. No. Portable dinner. Also, if you watch closely, dinner in a bag pops up numerous times throughout the series oh, after that. that. Like the all joke the time. Was, was, yeah, it's we've it's the conspiracy theory. We've really like cracked it. We've cracked the Buffy code. <gasps> um in season three in Gingerbread, Joyce brings Buffy dinner in a bag while she's out patrolling. <gasps> mm-hmm. In season four, Parker, that asshole, mansplains dinner a bag to Buffy in the cafeteria. And we're like, yeah, duh. Like, Buffy invented dinner in a bag. Like, it's, it's, ev- it's everywhere. She's, she's of the Sunnydale suburbs. Dinner in a bag is in their blood. Like. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, theories. Is it that the props was like, you get no plates. We are not washing plates for this show. You only get bags. Is it like, have you heard Robert Pattinson's idea for portable pasta? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, it's like, it's like bread full of pasta and then covered in breadcrumbs. It's a nightmare. Steph, Steph you need to do a, a TikTok where you reference Buffy dinner in a bag, but with that theory. With that, yes. yes. <laughs> like find a clip of him explaining it. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. then and turn then... that into a Buffy TikTok for Perfect. us. Perfect. I love it. Yeah. There's also like in a completely different TV world on Full House, they only ever ate cold fried chicken. <laughs> Anytime someone pulled food out of the fridge. Buffy tried that in live cereal, right? She brought home a bucket of chicken and they're like, excuse me, Buffy, dinner in a bucket? No, thank you. It's got to be a bag. It's also like, it's like they're clearly, we've been pointing out all season that they're not noticing that Buffy's struggling. Dinner in a bucket was the biggest red flag of all. We were like, that's not Buffy, That was a cry for help. (laughs) Right? And no one saw it. So so anyway, so to answer your question, Lily, that's what dinner in a bag is. Okay, I'm glad it's not like craft dinner. I was just so sure. I was like, is this an Impare Naked Ladies song that I like didn't commit to memory? (laughs) No, trust me. Now that you know, you will see it everywhere you go. We have we have listeners like sending us pictures of when they see dinner in a bag out and about. So like it's everywhere. So let's let, okay we got sidetracked uh <laughs> willow says we took this away from her right we took heaven away from her we wrecked it for her and xander says we didn't wreck it we didn't know and willow says we didn't want to know we were so selfish i was so selfish wow better late than never <laughs> I'm blown away that she said that. Mind you, she races it all in a couple more sentences. But like, no, 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 no. Steph, I'm sorry. I have a completely different reading of this. (gasps) Maybe I'm being uncharitable to Willow. Hot steak. I think she's being performative. I think she's just saying, you know, I think she's saying, oh, you know, we were so selfish. I was so selfish. Because once again, she's making it about her and her feelings, right? Just like before, she's like, why hasn't Buffy thanked me yet, right? Didn't I do a good job? Aren't I so good at magic? And now it's like, oh, I'm so bad. I'm so selfish. I feel so guilty. I, 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 me, 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 right? Like she's wallowing in her own emotions. She's making it about her and how good she is at performing guilt. (sighs) 
Okay, so Kara, you're usually Willow's biggest defender. Like you, you've said so many times that you. Um, I'm a Willow hater this her. season. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, this is the thing. This is a big news because I was Will. Like I'm, I actually want to like Willow, but I do not. I straight up do not this season. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, look, I was like, oh, look at her, look at her growing, oh, growth, you know. But then when you point that out, it's like, hmm, maybe. I used to, maybe. I used to be all about Willow, but as I've said before on this podcast. This time around, re- re-watching it with you, Steph, I definitely feel more like I'm Tara. Mm. I'm Giles' girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you're Enya. <laughs> I'm, I'm Enya. So, so two ways to look at this right now, but let's keep going and see what happens. Xander says, maybe we were. I feel weird feeling bad that my friend's not dead. It's too mind-boggling. So I decided to simplify the whole thing. Classic Xander. He says... Me like Buffy, Buffy's alive, so me glad. Okay, but and again, we're in a bizarro universe where I'm defending Xander here. I do kind of like this take. Yeah. Like it A, it's consistent with Xander's character, and B, like, I agree with you, Xander. It, it's what's done is done, right? Like, should they have brought Buffy back? Maybe not. But they did. And so I agree with Xander. It's like it's a good thing that she's back because we all like Buffy. Yeah, and, and Tara jumps on that too, right? She says, not to be Miss Psycho Pep Squad, but we've got to stop obsessing about what we did and start trying to make things better for Buffy, right? So like, they're both in the mindset of like, we did what's done is done. Let's move forward. And Anya agrees. And Xander says they need to spend more time with her, like hang out with her. Uh, maybe have her over for weekly dinners or, uh, or for a book club, short books, videos. And I was like, are you not hanging out with her? Like, are you like, are you not no, seeing her weekly? Not. Like, you- what? <laughs> well, uh, Willow and Tara are still living with her. Um, but I think what we're supposed to get from last episode and this episode is Buffy's spending almost all of her time patrolling because mm-hmm. it's the only thing in her life that she has control of. Mm. So Willow says, I can fix it. I know a spell. <laughs> God. So that actually that leans into Kara's theory here because uh, immediately she's like, oh, my God, magic ruined Buffy's life. More magic is what we need to help this situation. Tara says, no, no more spells. Like she just like loses it. And Willow's like, then what? This is something that's going to be fixed by a video club. And I was like, whoa, 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 Willow. How do you know? How do you know that like a video club or a book club or just more quality time isn't going to help things? You haven't tried. Your, your mind immediately went to magic, right? They're also not considering like bringing Buffy in and asking how could we support you in this right we're having secret meetings about you behind your back what if they just like made a cake and sat down and we're like hey Buffy what do you need anything I'm having flashbacks to season two where they find out angels of vampire and then they try to have an intervention for Buffy Giles nobody's using the eye statement <laughs> when, when they find out he's back yeah everyone likes sorry you're sad cake right like that who, who would say no Willow says I know I messed up and I want to fix it and this is classic Willow Willow always wants to fix shit like Willow just sit in it sit in your mess Tara says I can't believe we're talking about this again you know how powerful magic is how dangerous you could hurt someone you could hurt yourself and willow says i know a spell that would make her forget she was ever in heaven and tara's like what is wrong with you so xander and anya do the smart thing and they excuse they get the gtfo they're like wow i'm out of here and fair the phone's ringing i'll go help you with that phone (laughs) let me answer it for you uh so the fucking nerve the nerve of willow because she's now 
suggesting using the exact same spell that she used on Tara, knowing that, well, actually, she doesn't know that Tara knows yet, but like, that's ballsy, you know, like just to throw it in her face like that. So clearly she's using this spell more than once or she she's willing to use it again and she does use it again later this episode and <laughs> i kind of understand because when <laughs> when i learn a recipe like when i'm cooking i tend to continue doing the same recipe like over and over again until i'm sick of it right so that's probably the similar here <laughs> so you just do the same spell until you don't want to do it anymore willow starts apologizing right and tara says don't there's nothing you can say and Willow says, I didn't mean to. And Tara's like, to what? To violate my mind like that? How could you, Willow? How could you after what Glory did to me? Ooh. And Willow says, violate you? I didn't mean anything like that. I just wanted us not to fight anymore. I love you. <laughs> and I, I don't like this, uh, the way she's trying to like, I don't know, like get sympathy for what she did. It's like, it's well, not. Well, she's minimizing Yeah. what, as I said, I, I'm being quiet because I think I, <laughs> ranted about this quite a lot last week but like i see it as an atrocity like full stop um and so for willow to now minimize it like this now that she's being called out i mean she's basically gaslighting tara she's like but is it a violation of your mind mm -hmm. really if you didn't know about it and it worked isn't that like totally cool mm -hmm. really it's your fault for figuring me out like <laughs> I, and Tara says, if you don't want to fight, you don't fight. You don't use magic to make a fight disappear. And Willow says, I just wanted to make things better for us. Tara says, you don't get to decide what's better for us, Will. We're in a relationship. We're supposed to decide together. Willow says, I realize that I did wrong. Do you? <laughs> do you so tara says you did it the way you're doing everything when things get rough you don't even consider the options you just do a spell it's not it's not good for you willow this that is not what magic is for willow says i just want to help people and tara calls her out tara calls her the fuck out here she says maybe that's how it started but you're helping yourself now fixing things to your liking including me Ooh, i'm so happy that tara's bringing this up because we've been noticing willow's tendency to want to control not just tara but buffy and like the people around her so i love that tara's calling her out and again willow denies this and tara says i don't think this is gonna work and willow's like no it is it's working tara please i need you baby i need you i don't need magic i don't let me prove it to you i'll go a month without doing magic i won't do a single spell i swear and tara considers this and then she says Go one week without magic. And Will's like, fine, that's easy. And Tara's like, no, go a week and then we'll see. I don't know. I think we both need some space. I can't believe I'm saying this. And Will says, what are you saying? Are you going to leave me? And that's where the scene ends. And this is the addiction parallel, right? That like I, I can I can give up drinking for a month, or I don't have to. I don't need that for a month. It's not it's not a problem at all. And Tara clearly sees through this because I think when Tara minimizes it from a month to a week, at first I was like, that's pretty generous of her, right? But then I'm like, no, it's because she doesn't trust her anymore. So she's like, if you can go a week, like doubtful. Uh, but like that's when we can have another conversation about it. I think that it's a little bit naive for Tara to just be like, go a week without magic. Of course, Willow can't go a week without magic. And maybe Tara knows this, but she's just trying to prove that to Willow. I think they should give Willow the Sims. I think they need to replace <laughs> her addiction to magic with her addiction. Because as you just said, Steph, it's about control. 
Willow would dig the fuck out of the Sims, right? You get to mm-hmm. micromanage. You get to tell these people when they're allowed to pee. Like <laughs> that is the computer game for Willow. And then maybe she won't rely on magic so much. You you cured it. <laughs> you, that's it. That's exactly what she needs. <laughs> also, that's what every single other person who had a computer in this year was doing. Everyone <laughs> I knew in the early aughts was like, oh, I can't be on AIM Instant Messenger right now because I'm playing The Sims. I never played it. I just built the houses and then moved on. <laughs> like, and then build a new house. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was the best part of the game. But also, it's fun to, like, build, you know, your Sims and, and put a wall around them and all that fun stuff. <laughs> and see what happens. <laughs> so we cut to Giles and uh, Tara's saying, you know, I can't believe I'm saying this. Willow says, are you saying you're going to leave me? And the scene cuts to Giles, and what he's saying is what Terror could also be saying to Willow, right? He says, I have to. And as I remarked last week when we were talking about Once More with Feeling and the way that Giles and Terra's uh, plots are kind of dovetailing, they're both realizing they have to leave the people they love for their own good. I love how the transition between these two scenes emphasizes that at the start of this episode. So they're in the magic shop. They're in the the training room in the back. And Giles is telling Buffy that he's leaving. He's going back to England. Uh, And Buffy's not happy. Uh, He says, you have to be strong. I'm trying to. And Buffy flips out on him and says, trying to what? Desert me? Abandon me? Leave me all alone when I really need somebody? Giles says, I don't want to leave. Buffy says, so don't. I can't do this without you. And Giles says, you can That's why I'm going. As long as I stay, you will always turn to me if something comes up that you feel you can't handle. And I'll step in because because I can't bear to see you suffering. And Buffy says, me too. Hate suffering. Had about as much of it as I can take. And she's starting to get a little flippant and defensive. And I'm, I'm going back to their conversations in like season one and season two in the library where Buffy was always like, do I really have to be the one who slays the bad guys? Mm hmm. So Giles says, believe me, I loathe to cause you more, but this, I've taught you all I can about being a slayer. Your mother taught you what you needed to know about life. You're not going to trust that until you're forced to stand alone. And when Buffy says, but why now, now that you know where I've been, what I'm going through? And Giles says, now more than ever, when the temptation to give up is going to be overwhelming and I can't let. And Buffy interrupts him saying, so I won't. No giving up. You can be here and I can still be strong. (laughs) And Giles says, Buffy, I've thought this over and over. I believe it's the right thing to do. And Buffy says, you're wrong. And then she leaves him sitting on the couch to think about what he's done. Ooh, so what are our thoughts on this scene? Like, Giles gets so much flack in the fandom for making this decision. But I personally, I, I really see where they're both coming from. And I think I've brought it up in previous episodes too. The fact that Giles does believe what he's doing is the right thing. And I don't know if there is a right or wrong at this point. Um, he's making a decision and it's in Buffy's best interest. Uh, and I think that he's done a really good job and the show's done a really good job of showing his side of view to us, right? Whether we agree with it or not. But it is hard because as I said before, Buffy does need help right now. She's a motherless 20-year-old who has bills to pay. She's not educated. And she has a dependent minor sister that she needs to take care of. So I was thinking in the first couple episodes, I was like, there's nothing wrong with her getting help right now because she does need the support. But 
Then I hear Giles's side of view, and this is not a new point of view of his. He's had this for for seasons now. Remember, he t- was talking to Maggie Walsh in season four, and he says, "I think it's best if we let a young person find their own strengths. If you lead a child by the hand, then they'll never find their own footing." And then Maggie counters him and says, Buffy's very self-reliant, very independent, which is not always a good thing. I think it can be unhealthy to take on adult roles too early. So I think that conversation that happened in season four is the same conversation that's happening here, just like unspoken. Giles still believes that Buffy needs to stand up on her own. Him coddling her is not helping her in the long run. In the short run, it it does. And then I think other people have other opinions about it. So what do you guys think? Well... Do you think it would be different if he wasn't going as far? I think that going from California back to England is such a huge, like, you can't just call and say, hey, could you be here tomorrow? You know, like, he's going to be so out of reach for them that if he was like, I'm going to go to, like, New York and get a job, at least then it's like, okay, I'm a six-hour flight away if you need me so that it's not... I just feel like giving her a little bit more space, considering that she is a 20-year-old who just came back from the dead, might have been nice. I'm also interested in what you guys think it would have been like if Tony Head didn't want to get demoted down to guest star this season. Like, would Giles be like, hey, you just came back from the dead. I'm going to move into your house and help raise Dawn, a person I've never acknowledged exists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My nemesis. I like, I like how you picked up on that, Lily, because we've been saying the same thing throughout season six so far. It's like Giles barely tolerates Dawn's existence. Dawn's um, missing. Who? <laughs> he doesn't care. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I think that I agree with both of you. I think that this is right. I think Giles has to do this for all of the reasons he said. And then also just for the fact that like, he doesn't have a place anymore, you know, like season four, he lost his job because the school, they blew up the school. So that was his own fault. Um, He he destroyed his place of work (laughs) um, and managed to avoid being charged with domestic terrorism and deported or whatever. (laughs) Uh, Season four, you know, he was living his best bachelor life, but he was very aimless. Season five, Buffy did kind of like ask him to step back into that role of watcher. And that worked for a bit until it didn't. And it's not working anymore. As far as what you said, Lily, about how could season six have been different if Tony had had wanted to continue as a series regular? That's a great question. I don't want to say this, but I feel like maybe Joss Whedon would have killed him off like he did with Joyce, you know, like... I, I think that would have been like, okay, Buffy has lost her mom. Now Buffy's lost her dad. Or maybe like turned him, I don't know, evil or something. Like <laughs> Giles would need, yeah, Dark need Giles, it. right? Like Giles, yeah. the, Giles would need an arc in this season. And it would have to be something that causes Buffy as much anguish as him leaving, you know, in the actual season does. So it, it would have to be something like that. Without going into spoilers, I think Giles staying would affect willow's arc more than it would affect buffy's arc if that makes sense that's such a good point because um when we think about i think about disney always disney and um so many parental figures die they're either already dead or they die in the middle of the movie and that is your classic hero's journey that is what propels the orphan into the adult world 
right? So it makes sense what you're saying, Cara, that if Giles stayed, perhaps he he would have died. So maybe this is the best thing for him is to just leave. But I'm also jumping on what Lily said about location, right? Perhaps you didn't have to go so far. And now I'm thinking also timing, right? Like, could he not have stayed a little bit longer and then proposed to Buffy that let's start doing this together because you've been avoid, 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 and I've been taking care of everything. So why don't we start doing it together and give you a little bit more buffering room before I leave, right? I think that would have been better <laughs> not as dramatic but better yeah this i mean what i love about season six is that it's it's pure fandom and i think this episode is such a good encapsulation of that where you're what you're seeing is it's not fan service this is fandom it is these characters have come so far that the only thing we can do is thrust them into the wildest circumstances and take things to beyond their logical ends and so i think that giles leaving means that he misses out on some of that you know he he's not getting a dark giles arc he's not you know doing anything zany except this episode all of a sudden it's like oh okay get some zaniness but even the musical episode you know he gets like he gets a dad rock song Mm -hmm. (laughs) a sexy one (laughs) um don't go giles stay (laughs) stay so um Tara and Dawn are at the bottom of the staircase at the house now. Um, They're calling up to Willow. Willow's in a towel. She clearly just got out of the shower. She's like, I'm not ready. You guys go ahead. Tell Giles to hold up. I'll be there in a second. Tara's just like, fine. (laughs) She's pissed. And Dawn says, hurry up. You don't want to miss the lowdown on our latest feature creature. And then they leave. My question first was, how are they getting there? Is Willow just going to like walk (laughs) behind them? Are they drive? Do they have a car? Like what? What's going on? Willow goes up the stairs and then we hear like this magical hum. And then she instantly comes back down the stairs. She's fully dressed. Her hair is perfect. Her makeup's on. And I was like, I need this trick. I need this. This is like so good. But also like, did like, is she now just going to like sit in the house and wait until she can go to catch up with them? Because like she can't just go out the door right away because then Tara's going to know that Willow used magic. Well, the spell is taking up the dressing time. Yeah. Like, oh, if she if she got dressed normal and then did a spell, then Tara would be like, "Oh, you must have done magic because you took too long." But this way, it's like, "Oh no, I calculated ten minutes to make my oh, hair look okay, like this, gotcha. and that's enough time to get my flowers out of the bag." Oh my god! But her hair and her makeup itself, like, I think that would take me at least twenty five to half an hour. So telling them I'll be there in a sec is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah that's what i was confused about was like are they waiting outside for her like... yeah no they're at the store without her but that that's why i was also like well then how is she gonna get there that's surely another 10 20 minutes of walking right <laughs> anyway whatever okay she comes back down she's fully clothed and she goes to the cabinet in the living room pulls out flowers in a bag and these are the flowers that she used two episodes ago called lethe's bramble leaves leaves <laughs> bramble and she puts it by the fireplace and she says for buffy and tara this i char let the leaths bramble do its chore purge their minds of memories grim of pains from recent slights and sins when the fire goes out when the crystal turns black the spell will be cast tabula rasa tabula rasa tabula rasa so she lights the flowers on fire (laughs) she takes out a crystal and puts it in the flame and um 
And then she puts the crystal in her pocket and she leaves the flower burning on the side. And she also leaves the flowers in a bag right next to the flowers that are on fire. <laughs> so. See, so, this is flower safety. <laughs> fire safety, yeah. Like, that's Lily, you and I are on the same wavelength here. The moment I saw that, I like clenched up on my couch. I'm like, <laughs> you know, because she's, well, even if you put the flowers away, you're leaving a burning fire unattended in a fireplace in your home. Excuse me? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's um, the least of her worries right now. She, like, Tara's going to break up with her. She's not thinking. I, uh, just a little mythology with Kara here. So Leith is a, one of the, uh, traditionally one of the four rivers that border the Greek underworld of Hades. The deal is if you drink from that river, you forget. So presumably Leith's Bramble would be a plant that I guess grows along the river and maybe like gets its water for its roots from the river so that it can be used in these memory spells like this. Very interesting. And thanks for that cool fact. Uh, You mentioned becoming Buffy earlier, Cara. That's a very becoming Buffy kind of thing to know. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, Shout out to that podcast. Now I just want to try to name the other three. I'm like, okay, Sticks. Asheron? Acheron, yeah. Acheron, that's the that's one. I don't, know the, I don't know the fourth one. I don't know the fourth one. Right in. Yeah, right in. Let us know. Someone out there definitely knows. There's no way we could possibly find out unless somebody writes it. No, no, no. We don't do our own research. Everyone knows that. We let our listeners do it. Okay, so two things I had here. So flowers in a baggie. I found interesting that she pulled out the baggie and then kneeled down and like did her spell because if we are looking at the parallel to addiction, it's like she takes out a little like baggie of drugs or like cocaine or something, right? And then like yeah. snorts it at home, then goes and meets her friends. Like that's a very user thing to do. Well, so have we seen the size of that baggie? Like she's clearly <laughs> mass, like bulk ordered Leaf Bramble. How much forgetting do no. people need to do? Remember I told you when once you figure out a recipe, you're just going to do it again and again and again. <laughs> Because it's what's what you've recently learned. I, I feel that. Willow, you're a monster. Like you are a fucking monster. I think that's what this episode is about. Yeah. So yeah. what else has Willow made people forget? Like, was Tara the first time, or has she done like like you said, Steph, has she practiced the spell on other people? You know? Is this why Xander didn't tell people about his engagement? It's not that he didn't want to, he just kept forgetting to do it. Willow was like, oh, I don't want to celebrate Anya. Forget this. Is this why Giles doesn't know who Dot is? <laughs> like, everybody's memories are just Willow's Swiss cheese just been fucking with Giles since Buffy died. Um, yeah, like, that's a big bag of flowers for sure. And Willow, like, she says it in her spell, right? She's doing this to Buffy and Tara. But, like, what happens... When they both, like, so I guess Tara forgets they had the convo and Buffy forgets that she was in heaven. So, so what does, so what does Xander, Anya and Giles do? They're just, they yes, just Yes, thank don't you. Know? That was going to be my question in the next scene was hey, exactly what does Willow think she's accomplishing with this spell? Because if you make Buffy forget that she was in heaven, but everybody else still remembers that fact, now they have to keep a secret from Buffy. And if we've learned anything about the Scoobies from the past five years, None of them can keep a secret to save their lives. No. The size of these spells is also wildly different. Forgetting <laughs> one, like, 
a one fight with your girlfriend versus forgetting your own death and afterlife. Yeah. And like, as much as Buffy is miserable right now, as much as, as she wishes she was literally dead, it's not fair for Willow to take the memory of the happy place from her. That's not mm-hmm. fucking fair. You are a monster. Like Willow is being selfish. And she knows yeah. she's being selfish, selfish. But unlike, you know, what she said a couple scenes ago, she doesn't actually care. Yeah, and just and just really like again, this is tragic for Tara because in her song, in her beautiful song back in the last episode, she said, I don't know if this is the first time. Like, how am I supposed to trust that you haven't done this again? And as far as we know, this is the second time she's done it. So oh. Oh, so uh, drama is intensifying. At the magic box, Buffy is sitting sadly on the stairs as Giles, Anya, and Tara are at the table. Dawn is thinking that Giles is telling them about the monster of the week, and she's like super excited about it. She's like, oogly booglies, lizardy types, or zombies, or vampires, or what? Because like she's um, excited to be involved. And Giles is like, there are no oogly booglies, Dawn. God. Sorry. <laughs> I, just, I just realized Willow's also a monster. Because if there's one thing she should make everybody forget, it's the baby banks. Mm, of season three. No, you remember those so as to never repeat. <laughs> like if she really wanted to do everybody a favor, she'd just wipe that out. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so Willow and Xander come in. Willow's wearing Xander's jacket because it, it it's cold. It's winter, remember? <laughs> so it's cold out in California. Uh, Xander says, not a problem. Cold only makes me stronger and more macho-like. Shut up, Xander. <laughs> but maybe it does, Cara, because we Canadians do talk a lot of talk about taking the cold. We're doing it in this episode, right? We're like, yeah, can't it, possibly be it cold. It doesn't make us more macho. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. It just makes us awful. <laughs> So Giles says, I'm glad you're here. I have something I want to tell you all. It feels like I've been through this before. And Buffy is so pissed. She cuts him off. She's just like, why don't you just jump to the chase? Tell them that you're, and that's when Spike runs in and he's steaming because it's daytime. He doesn't even have his custom blanket with him. Like, I don't know how he got there. Um, And he's wearing a brown tweed suit and a winter hat. And he says, you need to give me asylum. And Sandra says, I'll say. And Spike says, no need to get cute. It's disguise. Happens. There's a bloke I'd rather not see just now. You met him, I believe. Toothy bloke with the baby seal breath. (laughs) Nasty fellow him. He's got a mouthful of chompers just waiting to be yanked out and worn as necklaces. And while he's doing this, Willow's check-in the crystal in her bag, which is now glowing green, like the like the villain she is. And um, we cut back to the house. We quickly see the the burning flowers of the house and the sparks are flying out of it because of course they are. And they light the entire flower in a bag on fire and it burns green, which, Cara, we know that when things glow green, hyena spirits are <laughs> running amok <laughs> in Sunnydale. That could be one side effect of this spell. It'd be so funny. Everyone loses their memory except for Xander, who's a hyena again. <laughs> so stupid. Okay. Giles is, <laughs> Giles is taking back control of the meeting and he says, I'll jump to the chase. I'm heading back to England and I plan to stay indefinitely. And Xander's like, now? Like, I mean, I mean, now, now? Like, not after, like, after everything? And Giles is like, yes, now. And Anya's like, for real this time? Because honest to Pete, a young shopkeeper's heart can only take so much. 
<laughs> and Buffy says, I can't do this. I just, I just need to. And she starts to walk away. And Willow says, Buffy, listen, I know that this is, this must be awful for you. And I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And Buffy's like, sorry. Everyone's sorry. I know you guys are just trying to help, but it's too much and I can't take it anymore. If you guys understood how it felt, how it feels, it's like I'm dying. And then suddenly everyone in the shop faints uh, because the bag of flowers has completely been incinerated at this point. So Willow, again, here she is apologizing. Do you still think this is performative? She's trying to get Buffy to stay in the magic box. Yeah. Buffy walks out. Yeah, the spell won't affect her. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking that Willow is like try, either trying to make her stay or she's stalling or apologizing. She was just going to say I'm sorry over and over and over. Because also, like she's apologizing, knowing that Buffy's going to forget, so her apology doesn't mean anything. So yeah. I also hate, I hate, hate, hate that Buffy got cut off here because this was her moment to finally tell them what she's feeling and experiencing. People who are not Spike. Or Angel secretly in the forest somewhere. This is her moment. And Willow fucking took it from her. Right? Like, they all fainted right in the middle. And I think the whole season, Buffy's whole story arc this season might have changed here too. Had she been allowed to finally vent out and tell the Scoobies what's going on with her. Possibly, right? So, another thing that we can blame Willow for. Cut to nighttime. (laughs) And it's like... You have this in your notes as well, staff, but this was something I thought about. So the whole day went by. Did nobody come into the magic box? <laughs> Is it closed? Is it like, was it closed for the meeting and then they just never... Was like, it the weekend? What I time mean, was it? I don't think it's a very successful business. <laughs> no, but it, it's like always bumping. There's always like these giant sales happening. It's always... Anya's so making enough money that she and Xander could possibly afford a house is what we found out couple of weeks ago yeah the question is or did, did like was it open and customers would walk in and were like oh <laughs> they just like you know, <laughs> another shopkeeper dead right because there's, there's so many magic shop owners have died so anyway it's nighttime <laughs> uh and we start to see the scoobies waking up so first we see anya and giles who were kind of next to each other giles was kind of on his head was on anya's shoulder and he clearly was drooling a bit at his sleep <laughs> um, uh tara dawn and buffy are kind of scattered around the magic box uh spikes lying on the counter uh willow was passed out with her head on xander's chest so buffy wakes up she says huh she turns on the lights uh then willow and xander wake up uh they say hey to each other xander says Hey, and gives her a little head nod because she's a girl. Mm. Uh, and he's at her, even when he doesn't remember who he is. Uh, Anya and Giles wake up, and Giles cleans his drool up <laughs> and says hello. Uh, Tara wakes up, Spike wakes up and falls off the counter and screams, which wakes up Dodd, who screams. And then Dawn's like, Who are you people? Uh, and she sounds very like extra childlike. And this is this is kind of harkening back to what you observed in season five, where you're like, She's pitched too young. That's how I felt in this part of the episode. So Buffy kneels next to Don and says, don't worry. And Don's like, who are you people? Please don't hurt me. And Buffy says, it's okay. I don't know anyone here either. Yeah, says Don. Who are you? And Xander stands up and is like, who are you freaks? And Willow's like, you don't know me? But you were just all like, oh, hey. And Xander says, yeah, because I thought you were a girl. And I'd remember <laughs> But as if to confirm, Willow grabs her boobs and says, I am a girl. (laughs) 
I'm not sure who I am exactly. And Xander's like, well, why was I on the ground? Why are you all staring at me? Is this some kind of psych test? Am I getting paid for this? And Giles says, it's not just you. Does anyone remember anything? Spike says, nope. Giles says, well, maybe we all got terribly drunk and this is some sort of blackout. <laughs> and Don tremulously offers, I don't think I drink. Lies. She's 15. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we saw what she was getting up to in all the way. Right? She really is playing this whole memory loss. Like she bumped her head and is now seven. <laughs> <laughs> She's... It is wild, this performance. Someone was like, no, 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 younger. Even younger yeah. than normal. Uh, Anya contributes, I don't see any booze. I don't feel any head bumps. I also don't see Alan Funt. Okay, I did research for once, and I because I needed to know who Alan Funt was. He's the creator and Thank host you. of Candid Camera. Candid Camera is an American hidden camera reality television series, like er, like early, early, like in the nineteen eighties or something. So it's like punked. Yeah, it's like punked before it's punked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no way that Anya would know Alan Funt. <laughs> she was a vengeance demon for a thousand years. And became an American teenager at the time there was a new candid camera with a different host, Alan Funt's son, Peter Funt. (laughs) This is the wrong (laughs) reference. History with Lily. Ooh, history with Lily. Okay, but maybe Anya did vengeance on Alan Funt. Okay, that I love. (laughs) Okay, but or or I think the, the quote I don't see Alan Funt could have been from spike right spike would definitely know who that is because he watches a lot of tv no anya says i don't see alan funt and so i, I think what Steph, i think what Steph's saying is it sh- that should have been a spike oh, 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 yeah. oh yeah yeah but does she how did how how like what kind of memory do they all have that they know pop culture references well, that's, i mean it, it's a real sticky wicket here because xander doesn't remember king ralph but Anya remembers Alan Funt and Candid Camera, a TV show she should never have seen. So anyway, Xander says, I'm not panicking. I'm not. I'm not. Stop looking at me like I'm panicking. Very Xander. Buffy says, take it easy, guy. No one's hurt, right? And none of us look all hatchety murdery. So we're probably safe here, wherever here is. Again, very Buffy dialogue. Willow says, look at the stuff on these shelves. Weird jars of weird stuff. Weird books with weird covers, like Magic for Beginners. Oh! And Tara says, this is a magic shop. A real magic shop. Buffy says, maybe something magic happened. And Giles says, magic? (laughs) Magic's all balderdash and chicanery. I'm afraid we don't know a bloody thing. Except I seem to be British, don't I? And a man with glasses. (laughs) That narrows it down considerably. So it's at this point where I was like, okay, so obviously at some subconscious level, they all remember certain parts of their identities. Um, and later we'll see they, they start remembering or at least intuiting relationships with each other, right? Buffy and Don are already doing it. So this is why it's like interesting. It's like a weird spell where they forget, but doesn't matter how much that they don't remember anything about their lives. They still have their personalities, right? And they still have that dynamic. So, neurologically speaking, um, this is roughly consistent with how retrograde amnesia would work, where most people who suffer from retrograde amnesia suffer 
from a loss of what's called episodic or somatic memory, where the facts about our life and, and who we are as people, our personalities, those are, uh, as far as we can tell, organized and stored in a separate part of our brain from like our procedural memories, like how to do things and like general facts about the world. So it has been observed in people who have amnesia like this, that they would still remember the months of the year and the names of colors and stuff. Like they're not like babies, right? But they've lost their memory, like their experiences uh, that teach, that tell them who they are. And they might still remember how to do something like play a piano, but they won't remember who taught them how to play piano when they learned how to play piano. Mm. So it, it does make sense. It's that the pop culture references are where I was really like, because like Lily was saying, right? It, it, a, it's inconsistent between them, but also like to me that feels like an experiential thing of like you had to sit down and watch that TV show. So I, I don't know. It's 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 interesting to me. At the end of the day, we can just hand wave it and say it's the magic spell and it's it's unpredictable and maybe it's broken because of all the, the flowers that burn. Neuroscience with Kara. <laughs> oh, 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 I love that. I would argue that this is a classic alternate universe fanfic. Everyone is who they are, but they're different. It's just... It's it's just for the fun. It's just like, yes. what if everyone was in a different world where the pairings were different and you got to ship different people together, but they're also exactly the same. Yeah, like we're not supposed to be overthinking this. It's, we're just supposed to enjoy, right? <laughs> well, that's so. the wonderful thing about this episode, right? Is this is a silly episode, but when you actually think about it, it's super dark. Yeah. And that's what's so lovely. Yes. Um, so Don says, I don't like this. And Buffy's comforting her and saying, don't worry, we'll take care of each other. So this is like what Steph was just saying, acting like a sister. Giles says, we'll get our memory back and all will be right as rain. <laughs> and Spike says, oh, listen to Mary Poppins. He's got this crust all stiff and upper with that Nancy boy accent. <laughs> you Englishmen are always so bloody hell, sodding. Blimey, shagging, knickers, bollocks. Oh, God, I'm English. <laughs> so Giles says, welcome to the Nancy tribe. <laughs> and Spike looks at him. He's like, you don't suppose you and I, we're not related, are we? And Anya says, there is a ruggedly handsome resemblance, <laughs> which I, for no particular reason, we need to make a little mental note, put a little post-it note here that Anya commented on Spike's appearance favorably. Mm -hmm. No reason. Giles is smiling at Anya's observation. Uh, he says, you do inspire a particular feeling of familiarity and disappointment, older brother. And Spike laughs at this idea and he says, father, oh God, how I must hate you. <laughs> It's so shady for no reason. They are in like these actors are seven yes. years apart. Thank you. Older brother is completely appropriate. Also, I mean, Spike's like 120 or something. But to say like, no, he must be. You have to be my father. I couldn't believe that he was like <laughs> father. I was like, yeah, obviously you're his little brother because, and I've said this before, like James Marsh was, I think was like 40 or 41 when he was playing this yeah. role. And, and Giles, like you're saying like seven, seven years older, but on the show, like definitely in his late forties or possibly early fifties, like 
no way would he be the father. I will say, though, the Spike and Giles dynamic in this episode is my top two favorite things about the episode. Chef's it's, kiss. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so yes. funny. It's so brilliant. It's right up there. My other favorite one is Anya and Giles. Like, just the way that they put, they paired off these characters is fucking hilarious. <laughs> okay, but can we talk for a moment about how Spike and Giles think they're related and Giles, uh, Spike is wearing a tweed suit and this goes back to Buffy's dream. Was it Buffy's dream? And Anders. Xander's dream in Restless when Spike is wearing the tweed suit and swinging on the swings with Giles and being trained to be a watcher. Yeah. Giles says he's like a son to me in that episode, right? In that dream. <gasps> and and Spike says, uh, like, Giles is my dad. He's, he's going to ch- train me to be a watcher. <laughs> so. so, like, I don't know if Joss Whedon had this episode planned out at that point, but, like, it's so interesting to me that that connection is there. It's a great callback. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so Giles asks, what did I do? And Spike says, there's always something. <laughs> and what's with the trollop? <laughs> Anya takes offense to this, as you should. And Spike says, I saw you sleeping together. Giles says, resting together. And Anya says, look. And she holds up her hand, which has the rock on it. Uh, and she says, it's okay. We're engaged. It's a lovely ring. Spike says, oh, great. A tarty stepmom who's half old daddy's age. <laughs> half your age too, Spike. Again, Emma Caulfield also looks like she is an adult. Like, she could very much be married to Spike or to Giles. Like, she it's could go either direction She here. looks appropriate yeah, like, for her, him, yeah. <laughs> I know that she is technically in the show supposed to be like three years out of high school, but she's like 10 years out of high school. (laughs) So Giles says, old, you little twerp. I'm young enough to still get carded, which is also patently ridiculous. (laughs) Love it. So many lies. Uh, But this gives Willow an idea. She says, carded, driver's licenses. So they all start searching through their pockets and their wallets and everything. And Xander says, it's me. Hi, I am the problem. It's me. Because he always is. (laughs) No, he says Alexander Harris, which I had forgotten. Xander's name is Alexander. I love later when Don calls him Alex. I think it's so funny. Because <laughs> there's an alternate dimension out there where Xander is Alexander. Like he's Alex, right? Like Or Lex. Can you imagine? Ooh, no. Lex. No, he's not. He's not a Lex. Oh, shudder to think. <laughs> no. He says he likes his picture. He says, hey, I exist. And Willow's like, I'm Willow Rosenberg. Willow, funny name. Tara says, I think it's pretty. And she has a student card that says that her name's Tara. She's a student at UC Sunnydale. Uh, Willow says, me too. Maybe we're study buddies. Is that what you kids are calling it these days? (laughs) They're just roommates. They're just friends. (laughs) They're just partners in intellectual endeavors. Yes, of course, of course. They just live in a dead woman's bedroom together. It's fine. (laughs) As you do. Making glowy O's. I I mean, these days, Lily, with rent the way it is, I'm sure that's more common than you think. Aren't we all? What's what what's rent in a dead person's bedroom these days? Like a thousand dollars a month? That's a deal. that's a steal of a deal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dark humor. Okay. Um Don says, I don't have a wallet. And Buffy says, Don't worry, me neither. And 
I'm sorry that I keep interrupting with my own commentary here, but like, so Buffy has no wallet, like there's no cat. <laughs> we, no. Does she just carry cash in her pockets? Like, does she expect everybody else to pay for her? Like, what's going on we, here? We knew this because remember in Flooded, Angel called and she's like, I got to go to Angel. And we were like, uh, no purse, no overnight bag, no pockets with money in it. Like, you're just going to take off. <laughs> the Slayer doesn't need money. She just needs kittens. <laughs> Buffy's, uh, Buffy's. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did it. I broke Kara. <laughs> I'm sorry. Puppy's heavily into crypto. <laughs> Puppy's just telling everybody about how much she loves Bitcoin and Ethereum. Yeah. And she's just like, you guys, you got to invest in this. Yeah, but then Willow made her forget. <laughs> Willow did her spell and made oh her forget all that. She's going to forget all her passphrases to her wallets, her Bitcoin <laughs> wallets. Oh, that's so sad. Uh, anyway, crypto's a scam. Don't do it, people. Um, okay. Um, Buffy points out Don's wearing a name necklace that says Don, although upside down, it might also say Umad, which Don observes it took me so long to understand that i was like it took my second watch to be like what is she talking about then i was like oh (laughs) of course do you know what your name is upside down no seven one seven (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'd be like i mean backwards it's like iraq i don't know i i also have a name necklace it's a little bit smaller than don's but um I should probably wear it more often just in case this exact situation occurs. Yeah, we're learning something here. Um, so Giles says, I'm called Rupert Giles. And Anya says, Rupert. And she gives him a little smile. Spike laughs. He says, uh, Giles says, you're not too old to put across my knee, you know, Sonny. <laughs> G- sorry, Giles as dad, like actual dad. Oh, my God. Uh, what do we call you? He asks Spike. And Spike doesn't have a wallet, but he finds a name inside the jacket that he has stolen. And he reads out the label. It says, made with care for Randy. <laughs> Randy Giles? Why not just call me Horny Giles or Desperate for a Shag Giles? I knew there was a reason I hated you. Which, fair. <laughs> not a good name. That quote is some something that I had downloaded to my family desktop computer <laughs> As a youth, I just had like a collection of like 30 second Buffy sound clips. And so that and then Buffy's drinking noise are also are things that like would just play between playlists when I was <laughs> uh, a young person. Uh, thank you Love for admitting it. that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What I love is that, like we're saying, the animosity or like the relationships are coming out in the characters in ways that they like, they don't understand why it's there, but it is there. So like Spike is channeling his his hatred for Giles into this father son dynamic, mm. <laughs> which is so brilliant, and he's doing it so well too, right? Like just like oh, I knew that's the reason I hated you. <laughs> it's awesome. So Willow notices she has a name on her jacket, which is Harris, and Xander's like, "That's my last name." Maybe I have a brother and you go out with him. Or maybe you go out with me. I liked that joke. I thought that was cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, Willow says, well, we did wake up all snugly wuggly. Maybe you're my boyfriend. And Xander says that or I've got one pissed off brother out there somewhere. Um, and Willow's getting a little closer to him. And this is giving me flashbacks to season three. And I no. don't like it. No, stop bringing up season three. <laughs> I'm sick of their affair. I don't want to talk about it anymore. But I will say Xander's insecurity. It's interesting how it's coming out here too, right? Because it's like all the evidence is pointing that Willow is his girlfriend. I think it's really cute that 
um, the connection that Xander and Willow share is coming out and them being like, maybe we are boyfriend mm-hmm. and girlfriend because we're very comfortable with each other. But the insecurity in Xander thinking like, well, Willow's so beautiful. Like she's definitely not my girlfriend, like possibly my brother who doesn't exist. Right. <laughs> so. So Anya's at the cash register now. She has naturally gravitated there. And she announces, I'm Anya. <laughs> <laughs> this key fits this lock and the forums next to the cash register say that Rupert and Anya own the shop together Child says this is our magic shop well that, that's very progressive of me <laughs> is it? Yeah. in what way? because <laughs> he's British so Don says to Buffy so you don't have a name? and Buffy's like of course I do I just don't happen to know it I love this joke too uh, Don says I'll, I'll name you. And Buffy says, that's sweet. But I think I could name myself. I'll name me Joan. Oh, my God. If she had said, I'll name me Joyce, I would have burst into tears right there. My thought process during this part was that did Buffy choose the name Joan? Like, what's why Joan, right? And a part of me was like, is it because Joan is a very ordinary sounding name and Buffy subconsciously wants to be an ordinary person? Or is it Joan of Arc? Is it like, why Joan? And then my other thought on this was like, oh, if Joyce was alive and in this episode, it would have been fucking amazing. I would have loved Joyce in this episode. Don says, ugh. And Buffy's like, did you just ugh my name? Don says, I mean, it's so blah. Joan? Buffy says, I feel like a Joan. Don says, fine, that's your purgative. (laughs) And Buffy corrects her, saying prerogative. Uh, Don says, whatever, Joan. Buffy says, whatever, Umad. And then at the same time, uh, one of them says, boy, you're a pain. And the other one says, boy, you're bossy. Uh, And that's when they realize they're sisters and they hug. And it's so adorable. And my Mm -hmm. heart is melting. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Spike's observing this tender scene and, and remarks to Giles, you never showed me affection like that, I wager. (laughs) Buffy says... We need to figure out what's going on. We need to get help. Spike says, Joan fancies herself the boss. And Buffy says, we have a kid here. Don corrects her, saying, teenager. Buffy says, teenager. We have no idea what's wrong with us. I think the hospital's our best bet. Uh, Anya has been uh, straightening Giles' tie. (laughs) And he says, yes, uh, let's head out. Uh, Xander offers his arm to Willow, and she uh, takes it, and they start heading towards the door. Spike says, Dad can drive. He's bound to have some classic midlife crisis transport, something red, shiny, shaped like a penis. <laughs> Which brings up my question for you, Steph and Lily. What did Giles do with his midlife crisis car when he moved back to England at the start of this season? Do you think he sold it already? Do you think he still has it? Yeah, maybe he sold it. Because I, I know we, we, did, we saw it not too long ago, if like my memory serves. He doesn't have a job. He's got to keep buying these international flights. <laughs> Uh, Buffy opens the door there's two vampires standing on the other side and we have what is like an iconic shot of basically the entire cast screaming framed by the door before Buffy slams the door closed and I remember this from like promos on the space channel when I was a kid and stuff Um, because when you take it out of context it's like oh like why are they all screaming well, like if you watch a GIF of it or watch it on loop and you see every individual person's reaction, it's so funny. It's so good. My favorite one is Spike because if you watch it, James Marshall is like delayed his reaction, but it's like utter horror <laughs> what he's looking at. It's really funny. 
<laughs> so they run back into the shop. They huddle close to the floor. Uh, Spike says, vampires. Uh, Tara says, maybe it's Halloween. Don says, it doesn't feel like Halloween. Xander says, even if it is, those are definitely not kids. And those are definitely not costumes. Randy's right. Looks like we have vampires. Like, he's saying it like we have ants. Like, <laughs> uh, not again. It's very what we do with the shadows. It's like, can you spray for the vampires? Like, <laughs> yeah. So the vampires are outside. They're banging on the door saying, Slayer. And Willow says, we need to check if there are other doors and make sure they're locked and put large objects in front of them. Come on. So Xander and Willow go off to do this. The rest stay where they are. Uh, Buffy says, monsters are real. Did we know this? Tara says, I don't know, but we need our memories back. We have to get to the hospital. Giles says, as the proprietor of a magic shop, I propose we fight them. We can use things here in the shop, magic tricks or whatever. Uh, and meanwhile, a vampire yells, send out Spike. And Giles says, they seem to want spikes. <laughs> so Spike goes, oh, and he gets up and he comes back with some wooden stakes. And he says, let's give them these, which <laughs> so close. Yeah. So close, Spike. Uh, the vampire, who's doing some great voice acting here, he says, Slayer, come out to play. And Tara says, Slay her. Uh, that's just what they said before. They're going to use spikes to, and Buffy says, Slay someone? A female someone? <laughs> Who do those jerks think they are? Anya says, Bloodsuckers. They kill by sucking blood. Take it easy, Joan. <laughs> Uh, Willow and Xander come back to say there's a trap door in the basement that leads to the sewers. We knew this from before because Spike has used it before. Uh, they all start to move as the vampires break into the, the magic box. They break the door open. Uh, everyone screams and scatters. Xander gets on his knees in front of the vampire and starts praying. And he, he tries a couple of different languages. Uh, a vampire grabs Buffy. Another one grabs Spike. Uh, there's some slamming against the wall. One of them says, you owe us. And Spike says, fine, take your damn spikes and throws all of the stakes in their general direction. And the vampire laughs. He's like, don't be stupid. And he says, I said, you owe us. You've got the boss's kittens. Buffy's swearing at the vampire who's holding her. She bites him. She knocks him down. Uh, he calls her a bitch. Yeah, and that, that surprised me because, um, I don't know, like, we rarely hear the vampire swearing. <laughs> like, maybe they are in the background, but, like, it's so rare Buffy to just hear them. slays them so quickly, she doesn't actually get them that riled up. <laughs> yeah, they so rarely say, bitch, <laughs> so. Buffy grabs the vampire fighting Spike and says, stay away from Randy. And stinks him. <laughs> I love that line. Just the, the way Sarah Michelle Geller delivers that line is just... Yeah. So good. The vampire dusts. Everybody's shocked by what just happened. Uh, Willow's like, what did you just do? And Buffy says, I don't know. And she looks up and the gleeful smile. And again, the acting here. She's, she smiles and she says, but it was cool. Um, and then the other vampire is like, has never seen the Slayer in action before, apparently. Has never seen a vampire stake. He's just like, what? The boss isn't going to like this. I'll be back and I won't be alone. He's, he's full Saturday morning cartoon bad guy minion mode. Uh, and Buffy says, I think I know why Joan's the boss. I'm like a superhero or something. <laughs> Cue Xander of all of them fainting again, which I love. There is some, there's a grace in Buffy's amnesia where like she's reconnecting with her Slayer powers. And it's, this is very, it, it brought me back to the 1992 movie, right? And it's very much like young, young Buffy 
realizing that it's actually really cool that she can do all these flip de doos and stake vampires. Yeah, I mean, I like it's it's also heartbreaking, but I like that when Buffy doesn't have the memories of who she is and what she's done in this life, she's so much more lighthearted. And she seems younger. She seems her 20-year-old self in these scenes. And um, so on one hand, it's nice to see a lighter Buffy, right? After a long season of her suffering right now, seeing her in a lighter sense is nice to see, but it's also heartbreaking. Yeah, this is the beauty of a memory loss episode, you know, because you also get this with Something Blue. What is that, season four? Yes. Where you just get to have some, like good old-fashioned oh i'm just a teenage girl and everything's fun (laughs) yeah (laughs) and after a season you know this beginning of the season where buffy is dealing with a lot it is nice just to be like oh it's a silly fun time remember silly fun times (laughs) um and they, the only way we can get them now is through magic. <laughs> yeah. And and also just calling back to something blue. Also Willow's fault, <laughs> right? So outside the magic box, the ba- vampire is giving the lone shark the rundown, uh, saying that they want to break down the door. And the lone shark is like, the boys are barbarians. They're no, there's no need to do that. The humans will turn on him soon enough. And if they don't, we'll burn the place to the ground. So Buffy was listening to this at the window because they are not chill they're not subtle these these gangster (laughs) sharks and vampires um and buffy says to the scoobies that she has a plan they seem to want randy and i seem to be pretty strong wicked strong so you guys go through the sewers to get to the hospital randy and i will give them a run for their money and uh anya says i'm not leaving the shop i have to protect the cash register and do some spells and giles says magic might help it's worth a shot so buffy's like right You work on that then. We need to go. Ready, Randy? And Spike's like, ready, Joan. And Giles is like, oh, um, son, come here, please. And Spike's like, right, right, right. So him and Giles awkwardly hug (laughs) in goodbye um, before Spike and Buffy take off. And I had a side note here because I find this episode extra funny because I actually have an auntie, Joan and Uncle Randy that live close by. (laughs) (laughs) So Joan and Randy out to uh, save the group. Spike and Buffy open the door and they take off. Like, that's the plan. They just knock some vampires aside and they just run down the street. And one vampire grabs Spike by the jacket and Spike vamps out and punches him, sending him flying. Buffy turns around and she's like, Randy! And he's like, hey, I'm a superhero too. And Buffy looks horrified because he's a vampire and she runs away screaming. Spike ends up fighting like six or seven of these vampires all at once and he knocks them all over and then chases Buffy. It's pretty impressive. I was impressed by him earlier this season when he knocked that one hellion off his motorcycle. (laughs) But this is like pretty impressive fighting. We cut to the sewers where Xander's helping the girls down the ladder. Willow and Tara have this like little face-to-face moment and it's like a connection. They're like, oh, oh. Hello. <laughs> a little bit of a queer awakening there. Perhaps, yeah. And uh, Dawn, I think this is what you guys are saying, right? Like, she just seems really young because as they're walking down the sewers, she's singing, the ants go marching one by one, hurrah. And it's like, why? <laughs> so can we talk for a moment about how this magic box store just happens to have a tunnel into the sewers like don't all it's not standard don't all the the mayor had it so that every store and every public you're right any weird architecture in sunnydale Mm -hmm. we can always attribute to the mayor because he literally built that town so i guess he must have mandated it in a bylaw but like 
yeah, it's just like that's not how sewers work. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember I'm remembering. Uh, and this is like a, just an episode of memories, but like remember in season two when all of a sudden there was a secret escape route through the stacks of the library <laughs> and you and I were like, what? <laughs> like <laughs> since when and why? Um, yeah, I think there's just escape routes wherever you go in the city. So the vampire shows up, they all scream, they run away and Giles and Anya are in the shop and they're looking through books and Anya is saying, this is nice. Like It's nice for them to spend time together alone, um, aside from the vampire attacks and the memory loss. And Giles, <laughs> he finds the one-way plane ticket in his pocket. And he's just like, yes. Uh, like, what book should we start with? And Anya brings a book over. She's like, this is the book for us. Giles is like, oh, does it focus on mind control and memory loss? And Anya's like, not exactly, but my intuition tells me that this is the book. And I figure being a magic shop owner and natural with the supernatural, I should trust my intuition. And Jabs is like, that's fine. But uh, as you recall, I am, I too am a magic shop owner. And Anya's like, true, but my intuition says that you're not so much the magic guy and more the paperwork guy. <laughs> She's like, okay, here we go. She reads a spell from the book and a poof, a rabbit appears on the table. She screams and clings to Giles. And <laughs> I was like, clearly they don't remember ever watching The Mummy or Hocus Pocus because the whole thing is no harm ever came from reading a book. But turns out lots of harm comes from reading a book. <laughs> you must not read from the book. Right? Uh. You just can't say it out loud, you know? <laughs> You're not supposed to speak Latin in front of the books. True. Do we think that Anya picked up the book that she was actually most afraid of? <laughs> like, her intuition was like, this yeah. is the most messed up book in this store. It called to her, exactly, but she, so that's yeah. why she was like, yeah, this is the one. <laughs> so Spike, meanwhile, has caught up to Joan. <laughs> on someone's lawn uh she knocks him down with a flip de doo <laughs> and straddles him um, and he says bloody hell what are you doing and buffy says you're a vampire spike says i me a vampire no <laughs> spike says check the lumpies and the teeth so spike's feeling up his face and he's looking confused and buffy says i kill your kind and spike says and i bite yours Classic Starcross love story, right? Mm. <laughs> this is the juice. <laughs> this was the juice in season one, two, and three. <laughs> Let them cook. <laughs> we're, we're getting there. We're getting Let there. Let them okay. cook. <laughs> so, how come I don't want to bite you? And why am I fighting other vampires? I must be a noble vampire, a good guy on a mission of redemption. <laughs> I help the helpless. I'm a vampire. With a soul. So help the helpless, for those who aren't aware, is Angel's, like, business motto, his slogan in the TV series Angel. Yeah. Buffy's reaction, she does a little face. Again, perfect facial acting. Uh, Buffy says, a vampire with a soul? How stupid is that? Mm -hmm. It's a it's, it's the lame <laughs> word, but we, we always take it out because we don't like it. But, um... Yeah, they're poking fun at Angel here. And it's so funny because it is it is in Spike's character to poke fun at Angel. Uh, but I like that the show is being cheeky about it, too. Well, they do that a lot on the TV series Angel, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And I like that without his memory, Spike thinks that Angel's whole deal is actually, like, kind of cool. What if you were a vampire mm-hmm. with a soul? Wouldn't you be, like, the coolest guy in the world? Yeah, he's, like, someone with purpose, right? He has a whole scene about it later, but, like, it's so true. He's just like, oh, my God, like, this is great. <laughs> well, and so something I thought about as I was watching this episode and, and this scene in particular and the way that Spike is helping them is, so Spike does not have a soul. And we've been having an ongoing discussion this whole series, but especially in season five, when he kind of starts to actively help the Scoobies more, is like, like to what extent is Spike's um, allegiance and maybe even kindness towards some of the Scoobies, how much of that is motivated self-interest because, you know, he can't hurt uh, humans, so he might as well hurt demons and get his yayas out that way. And how much of it is genuinely him being like, I want to do good to show my love for Buffy. So in this episode, right, because he doesn't remember his, like, clearly he's feeling something, but he doesn't remember his obsession with Buffy. He doesn't remember that he had Warren build a Buffy bot for him and stuff like to fuck. Um, <laughs> Thanks for <laughs> clarifying. Yep. <laughs> Shh, it's a secret. <laughs> but like, he doesn't remember all of that. So like, he's just baseline vampire without a soul right now yet he's still like he's not just going around trying to bite them all i think it would have been funny if he'd, he'd done something to try to hurt one of them and then his chip activated mm-hmm. yeah but it's also funny how like in this state subconsciously he's still aware of the chip because like his instinct probably would have been to bite them had this been a couple seasons ago but oh yeah the chip yeah the chip is wired into his brain so maybe that's affecting his neurology his memory somehow Mm, i think so i think that well i mean that's another thing where it's like uh alternative universes right but um yeah (laughs) neuroscience with cara i love that so (laughs) giles is telling anya perhaps they should try another book and Anya is saying, no, this book made the little fluffers. This book's going to send them back. And this she's is saying such this, a funny gag. She's saying this because the magic shop is now filled with dozens of rabbits. <laughs> and Anya tries another spell and another bunny appears. And Giles is just like, yes, dear. I like how this entire episode, Giles and Anya are just here for comic relief. Like, this is what I was talking about. about this episode is really dark, especially for Willow. But like... There's so much laughter and humor, and that's what I love about this show so much. That's what I love about this episode, too. Like I said, it went by quickly because after that one giant scene of them all losing their memory, we get short little scenes like this, and it makes it go by really quickly. So here it is. Spike is saying to Buffy, he's like pacing. He's like, I'm a hero, really. I mean, to be cast such an ugly lot in life and then to rise above it, to seek out better, nobler things, it's inspirational. (laughs) The two of us, natural enemies, thrown together to stand against the forces of darkness. A lot of trust. No thought of me biting you. No thought of you staking me. And Buffy's like, depends on how long you keep on yapping. <laughs> so that's when the vampire gang is approaching them. But like like you said, Lily, like <laughs> Spike is so down for this plot. <laughs> He's so down for this, this lot in life. And they're also hyping up, obviously, the spinoff. <laughs> so in the sewers, the gang is now hiding, right? And basically, this is just to show that Tara and Willow are noticing the powerful pull that they have toward each other, uh, which makes sense because they felt that back in Hush, I think, when they when they first met, right? There was yes, always that's that pull. literally what I thought about was that this moment is recapitulating that moment in Hush, which when you think about it, like that was the start of their relationship in many ways and this episode is the end 
and that's closure like that's like full circle and it's all willow's fault a spell brought them together and now a spell has brought them like pulled them apart Mm, love it Anya is now standing on the table because there are bunnies everywhere on the floor and there's some sort of like green misty portal like above her (laughs) she's making things worse every spell she tries just makes it worse and Giles is yelling at her right he's like clearly that is not a helpful book darling come down and we will go about fixing this in a sensible fashion and Anya's like sensible you think it's sensible for me to go down into that pit of cotton top hell and let them hippity hop all over my vulnerable flesh like it's such a good line <laughs> and um Giles is like fine then just stay up there and keep making buddies it's a capital plan and Anya loses it she's like what's capital like I never know what you're talking about Lou Shag Brawly what the hell is all that and Giles is like what there's no way you could remember me saying any of those words and Anya's like fuck her off you Brawly <laughs> I'm laughing as you're recapping because that's how funny this scene is. And Tony Head and Emma Caulfield like knocking it out of the park with the acting. This is such a good episode. No, it's so enjoyable. Like I understand. I think a lot of people say this is their favorite episode and I totally get it. Right. Buffy and Spike are fighting the vampires. Um, Buffy gets punched and then says to herself, duck, right? Like, remember to duck. So um, she is resourceful. So she kicks down a mailbox and uses it at a stake. Spike is fighting the and, and the lone shark is watching them do this. And um, they, they both manage to stake a few vampires as they're fighting. But they're in front of, they're not, they're in like a, the front yard, right? They're in the suburbs and they're in someone's front yard. Can you imagine? <laughs> My, I was rewatching this episode last night and my partner could not get over <laughs> the fact that like, it's like maybe 9pm in the suburbs and <laughs> just like, oh, you know, you wake up the next morning, you go out and um, your mailbox is broken again. <laughs> or, like you wouldn't hear the scuffling outside, like if you were watching TV real loud, but like you look out your window and you're like watching this happen. So, so Steph has a note that says... If this was my front yard, I'd be pissed and watching from the window. This is what I'm picturing in my head. Is I'm picturing Steph <laughs> holding a cup of tea in both hands, peering out from behind her curtains, and like the most serious frown on her face. Like she just she is mad. Youths. <laughs> that's the voice. You kids. Like it's the it's the holding the cup of tea with both hands. Yeah, yeah. Where she's just like, I can't. Oh, it wouldn't be tea. It would probably be a smoothie or like a diet coke, <laughs> but like you know, like with a straw. But like, no, absolutely, I would be so pissed, and I would I would think it was youths or hooligans. Uh, but also, think about like the Sunnydale residences just went through a hellion looting fest a few months ago, so they're probably like, oh, this is round two, I guess. The brand new mailbox pole right there. Like, we don't know how far Buffy ran, but like they can't be that far from the magic shop. So like, if you're gonna live downtown. Sunnydale like you're just used to this stuff my other point about this was I noticed this season Kara I've been noticing because I've been waiting but I haven't seen it yet the lack of Asian vampires in this season is intolerable right like come on vampires are very unimpressive specimens you know they're just kind of like these almost flabby not flabby but like they're just like really like doughboy white guys (laughs) like they look like they were turned out of like middle management 
Yes. Right? Uh, uh, like with this exception of the dancing vampires in the last episode, which we actually really loved for their dance moves. Nothing standing out to me where at least in the previous seasons on the WB, uh, we would get at least an Asian vampire every other episode. Lily, that's something that that's something else we noticed, just like dinner in a bag. We're like, how come the only Asians in this town are vampires? <laughs> yeah, there's a Chinese restaurant that Joyce keeps ordering from. Ever since the mayor died, right? Like the mayor was just, he made Sunnydale a very welcoming, multicultural, very diverse place. And now yeah. that the mayor's gone, it's not anymore. I mean, did did you did we not talk last season about the whole multicultural festival <laughs> at the Sunnydale University, right? Like featuring China. Like that was all the, the only it, culture it, we saw. If you had stumbled on that, would you not have been like, get out? <laughs> yeah. Well it's a it's a mystery. Um I hope we get the Asian vampires back soon though. Uh Giles is literally sword fighting a skeleton now. <laughs> I thought that was a reference to Jason and the Argonauts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Classic film. So he's shouting. He's like, get a get a different book. Put that one down. You hear? Not that book. <laughs> so we cut back to the Scoobies hiding in the sewer. The, out of uh, all these misadventures happening here, the, I don't care about what's going on in the sewer, to be honest. Same. They don't really get much to do. Like, they're just killing time in this episode. It, it's really, like, I, I mean, maybe. Sorry, I'm just having a thought as I, as I talk. That that I think that's what makes this episode so interesting is... Like Buffy and Spike are actually doing something. They're fighting because they have to. But like, I think that what's interesting about this episode is the resolution of this episode is actually an accident, as we're going to find out in a moment. Mm -hmm. This whole sequence, as we go through these different scenes, has nothing to do with actually solving the problem and vanquishing the quote unquote monster of the week, right? It's like that part is incidental, but it's really like, these these are just killing time in some ways. Well, Willow can't have too much fun not having her memory because she's it's her fault, you know? We can't be like, oh, Willow, she, she has amnesia. Now she thinks she's a ballet dancer. <laughs> like, no, no, no. She's in trouble. She has broken a promise. She's used magic. She has to just sort of sit in it and be like, I don't know, I guess I'm in a sewer today. Mm, she doesn't get a fun sideline here because she did wrong. She did wrong. And now she has to be with Dawn and <laughs> her giant lolly and ringlets. <laughs> um, and, and that is exactly what she's doing. She's babysitting Dawn. Uh, because so the, their, their idea in the sewers, they're just hiding, right? They're just they're waiting out the vampire. So Will asks Dawn how she's doing. She says, it's okay. It's scary, but weirdly kind of familiar. And Will's like, I know what you mean. And Dawn asks how Willow is. And Willow says, a little confused. I'm all sweaty and trapped. No memory. Hiding in a pipe from a vampire. And I think I'm kind of gay. <laughs> Call back to a line from season three. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anya and Giles are now cowering behind the front, the desk, <laughs> the counter, um, and we hear a giant roar off camera. We don't know what it is. The giant bunny. It's. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could have seen it. Giles says, "Look what you've done, you lunatic woman!" Whoa. So Giles has called her a lunatic woman here, and before that, he was saying like, "Be sensible," right? So like. I love I loved me some Giles, but like some of the things he's saying to Anya here are a little bit misogynistic in my view. Yeah. Yeah. So Anya says, don't blame me, you snobby snotty, think he's so great kind of jerk. <laughs> I feel compelled to take some vengeance on you. And she whacks him on the head with the book. And I love that. And Giles says, no wonder I'm leaving you. 
<laughs> and Anya says, what? He shows her the plane ticket. He's like, look, a one-way ticket to London and out of this engagement. And Anya's like, of all the nerve. And she throws her ring at him and it rolls away. And she's like, now look what you've done. That thing is going to eat my ring. And uh, again, I will say I'm more invested in Anya and Giles' relationship in this episode than I've ever been invested in Xander and Anya. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm shipping them hard right now, especially in the next scene. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, it makes sense. A hundred percent. I can't believe they don't stay together after this. Yeah, it's crazy. Like... <laughs> in fact, that's why Giles takes off. He's like, I, I like, we can't do this. I can't do that to Xander for some reason. So he leaves. <laughs> I, I know that you're beholden to my raw sexual chemistry. But... <laughs> so, so yeah, so the vampire in the sewers is like, I smell fear. It smells good. And it's like, it smells like sewer in there, my friend. Um, as the Scoobies try to avoid him, like he starts attacking Xander. I don't know. It's kind of confusing. Anyway, let's get back to more interesting things. Giles is reading from the book and there's a thunderclap and the beast disappears. And Giles is like, that's better. Anya runs out. She gets her ring and she says, thank goodness. And she puts it back on her hand. And Jazz apologizes. He's like, I'm so sorry, dear. And Anya's like, no, Ruby, I'm sorry. You were right. Ruby killed me. <laughs> I'm dead. It's, it's like an endearment. Like Ruby, just like um, Harmony used to call Spike spiky or like Blondie Bear. Uh, she's like, Ruby, I'm sorry. You were right. That was the wrong book. <laughs> So Giles takes off his glasses. He's like, yes, it was. I'm still sorry. And Anya's like, don't leave me. And Giles is like, oh, Anya. And he comes to her. And they have this magical kiss. This, like, this lucky bitch. She, they just, like, start making out. This is the best kiss on the show. Yeah, this, yes, this, thank you. Oh, fireworks. This fireworks. Is, yeah, this is the princess bride kiss. Like, there have been a lot of kisses in the world. This is number one kiss. <laughs> this is Lily, good. I don't know how caught up you are on the pod, but ever since Angel has left, uh, Steph's affections have been transferred to Daddy Giles because... Yeah. You know, Steph is now of the age where Daddy Giles oh, yeah. is a more age-appropriate crush. And, uh, you know, We're this adult is the women. We love Giles. Yeah, it's like all of a sudden my awakening happened. And I was like, <gasps> I was like, who is this man? You know, he's got, he's the whole package. So, so Willow and Tara, uh, like, okay, this is silly. They get knocked down in the sewers, right? The crystal falls out of Willow's pocket. Denner distracts and fights the vampire. And Dawn finds a sharp stake on the ground. And she's like, ah! she throws it to him and he stakes the vampire and like that was very brave of him good for him but this whole time willow and tara are just cuddling on the ground like about to kiss like they're not even gonna help xander gets up and he happens to just step on the crystal willy-nilly like it's just an accident and it glows green when the hyena spirits are released and the spell is lifted willow gets off tara who looks at her so accusingly we cut back to giles and anya who are mid kiss and they both open their eyes and then we see buffy get knocked by a vampire to the ground just as she's saying don't mess with joan of and then she pauses because all her memories come back and she gets knocked as i said she gets knocked to the ground and she gets repeatedly kicked down there so in the sewers tara gets up and she's looking down at Willow and like, like disgust, betrayal, anger, disappointment. They're all on her face as she stares at her. And Xander notices the broken crystal and understanding comes to him and Dawn, right? They're also like, oh, Willow, 
you, you done fucked up, you know? And Xander then giggles and he says, sorry, I just got the memory of King of seeing King Ralph. And that's what Lily was pointing out earlier. It, sorry, is King Ralph, am I correct in thinking he's like a Disney villain? No, King Ralph is a John Goodman film where the entire royal family dies and he is a, like an oafish American in the bloodline and he has to move to England to become Such king. a specific reference. Did you watch it? I have only seen it because of this episode. <laughs> like, that's I dedication need... in your research right yeah. there. Good job, Wally. Oh, that's definitely one of those, like, in a video store when those were a thing, seeing it and being like, oh, well, I've heard this reference on, on a great episode of Buffy. <laughs> I surely need to watch this. So Xander says we should go. So him and Don start leaving. Tara is just staring at Willow on the ground, right? And Willow gets up and she just walks past Tara. No words are spoken. Tara starts to cry and they have wordlessly broken up here and i liked because earlier we were talking about how their relationship more or less started in hush and that is an episode about silence right and here we have them breaking up in silence and it's really full circle but good willow definitely does not deserve tara uh giles and anya are (laughs) vigorously sweeping and scrubbing the magic box clean giles is saying well this place certainly needed a good tidy egg and anya is like yes yes Yes, (laughs) because they're so awkward. They're just so awkward. But also, they probably really enjoyed the kiss, you know? Yeah, like she's making herself like, calm yourself down, girl. Yeah, it wasn't that good. You still love Sandra, like, (laughs) right? Scrub the horniness out of you, Anya. so so we cut to buffy lying on the ground as spike is dusting the last couple of vamps out there uh lone shark approaches him and he's like you're an odd duck spike fighting your own kind palling around with the slayer Un- oh that suit chutz is it chutzpah he say chutzpah 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 must be your middle name hey look about our little debt problem i don't need the kittens and spike grabs him and says you'll get paid i'm good for it and lone shark says right right you're good for it i know that i'm just gonna go like yeah and he leaves and that was the end of that and i was like if it was like i know spike killed his entire squad of vampires but like if all he needed was kittens from spike and spike says i'm good for it like it was simple like this whole night was for nothing he's gotta like you know keep the the act up right like he can't he can't just take Spike's word for it unless Spike has killed a bunch of vampires because otherwise uh, other people will start defaulting on their debts, right? Like he's got he's got to do some enforcing. Mm. It's tough being a loan shark. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's tough being a loan shark and left shark. So Spike finds pan- uh, Buffy. She's still panting on the ground. He offers her a hand up. She ignores it. She gets up on her own and she looks at him in disgust and then walks away. And honestly, my heart broke in this scene because like, but poor, poor, sweet Buffy. She was lying on the ground and you'd think it was because she got kicked by the vampire. But in, I, I think it's because all that pain and trauma came screaming back to her wanting to die because let's not forget the last episode, she tried to kill herself again with the dancing to death. So it all just came rushing back to her. So she's just on the ground in pain, right? And then she looks up at Spike and she's like, Oh fuck! Like, I, like this is the guy that I keep like hanging out with, and I made out with him once because like I, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. And then she leaves. So like she's looking at him in disgust, but she's also thinking about herself in disgust as she walks away. Oh my god! 
the ending of this episode is god tier because Michelle Branch is in the house. She has come to Sunnydale at her own risk to sing the beautiful ballad Goodbye to You at the Bronze. This song has been on one of my many playlists for like 20 years. Like whenever the song first came out, I adore Michelle Branch. I think she's amazing. She's uh, mixed, just like I am. <laughs> I think she's like uh, mixed Indonesian of some sort. I love her. I love her. I love her. I love her. And I love that they use the song in this ending because the song is about loving somebody, but letting them go for the greater good, for your own good, whatever. Uh, and it's also montage time. And Kara, yes, we love. Give me we that montage love. right into my eyeballs. <laughs> we love yeah, a montage. The episode ends with a fan edit. Like, <laughs> it's beautiful. It, this is what taught us to fan edit. Just yes. like, here's the perfect song, and everyone's just going to look so fucking sad. I, I, I bet when they're filming these sequences, you can just see the directors like perched behind them being like, sadder, sadder, <laughs> more, sadder. More. And then you have Michelle Branch of all the things I believe in. And it's like, oh, oh, oh. oh. An acoustic version <sighs> that like doesn't exist anywhere. Oh. Perfection. Michelle, who hurt you? I've always wanted to know. Buffy is sitting sadly at the bar listening to Michelle Branch as one does and uh, she's looking like she's going to burst into tears and Buffy is just the love of my life and I just can't stand it when she's sad and then we cut to Tara who's packing up her stuff from Joyce's room Willow is sitting in the bathroom crying quietly I don't feel bad for you Willow but at the same time at the same time Willow does a really great cry face <laughs> Allison Hannigan has always done a great cry face so like I feel that, but also Willow, like, this is on you. This is on you, my friend. It, 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 it's reminiscent of Willow crying in the bathroom at school after she found out Xander had sex with Faith. Mm -hmm. I'm even more annoyed now than I could have ever been back then. I felt a lot back then, but this is like... I'm sorry, the next I keep bringing up season three. Shut I'm sorry. up, Kara. <laughs> Stop it. Whoa, that's harsh. Sorry, sorry. Oh. <laughs> Stop it, Kara, please. <laughs> please. So um, Giles is on an airplane. He's flying to London and looking sad because he knows he can never be with Anya, as we just learned earlier today. <laughs> and I'm wondering, because like, hey, all the Scoobies now know what why they lost their memories is because Willow was fucking around with magic again. Did we miss the opportunity to hear Giles call Willow a rank, arrogant amateur one more time before he got on the plane. Like, did we miss it? Steph, I dare you to make that your ringtone uh, on Seb's phone. Just as a, <laughs> a sound bite of Giles saying, you rank, arrogant amateur. So every time you call Seb, that's what he hears. He'd be so confused. It would actually make more sense for me to put Michelle Branch on his phone because he probably already has it on there because <laughs> we share Spotify. <laughs> Um, okay, yeah, so we missed that. Did he not say goodbye to Buffy? Is that why Buffy sat at the bar? Did she go up there and he was just like, I know you're pissed, but like, see ya. I, I think this montage is taking place over like the next day or so. I hope so. I hope that Giles got a, another little goodbye scene with it's, everybody. It's not all simultaneous. Didn't he leave with a note last time? Yeah, he tried to duck with a note on him. <laughs> so maybe this time he succeeded. Giles invented ghosting, okay? This time he didn't even note. He just he just left. Y'all know what time it is. <laughs> what I like to believe is that Giles went to Buffy's house, gave her another check, and while she was distracted with the check... He, he dipped. 
that's that's how you do it right so <laughs> uh close up of willow crying spike approaches buffy at the bar she looks at him and then she turns her head away from him and spike is like no and he storms off angrily <laughs> no make the sound again <laughs> Spike's this angry. guy can't take a hint. <laughs> like, how many times is it now in this episode alone that's, that Buffy has rejected Spike? And he's still just like, maybe if I try again. It's honestly, and here, it's not Spike's fault because he is somebody who just never goes away, number one. But number two, he's been playing this game with Buffy for years now, or at least since last season. And Buffy actually gave in last episode. So of course he's still shooting his shot because he shot his shot when he literally has zero chance. And now he has a chance. Okay. Also, let me, let me know if I'm speaking in the future about something that has not been covered on the podcast yet, because I'm out of time. I'm, I'm, I'm lost in the sauce. (laughs) Is, Buffy is Cecily to him. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we we talked about that in Fool for Love. Yeah, yeah. so Fool for Love okay, in season Fool for Love has already happened. Yeah. Thank you. And so I think that's what it is. Is that that's what he that's what he expects. And Drew also did that. She was. Oh, you're saying he back. like likes it when she does that? Like yes, he gets the thing I out of it? That, I think this is his kink. We well no is that we know that Spike Lips likes getting stepped on, right? Like that's yes, yeah. That's why he loves the Slayer. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, I think that the rejection is part of it, where he gets to be like, oh, whatever Steph's noise was. <laughs> I don't even know what yeah. I made. It just yep. was organic. <laughs> it Spike's oh noise, Steph. <laughs> The sploosh noise. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. It, 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 he he's a fool for love, as as he as we all said, right? Back in the day in season five, um, he has called himself love's bitch. Like he can't get enough of the the heartache and pain that is love. <laughs> so I mean lovers walk in season three, right? I just sorry, I just gotta keep writing up season three. So <laughs> he's just a tragic little bad poet and he's like, Well, this is how it goes. This is what all my bad poems are about. Yes. Poor Spike has never had a healthy relationship in his life. You're right. Poor no. Spike. It all goes back to his mother. <laughs> Which we haven't talked about yet. Or maybe it doesn't. <laughs> Or not. <laughs> His father, perhaps. Yeah, but like, again, as I as I keep saying, I'm like, that's not Buffy's fucking problem, all right? Like, Spike keeps just showing up, and we're like, go away, go away. But here he is, and he storms off angrily. Tara is carrying a box outside, and again, does she have a car? Like, how are they... Is she getting around? Like, I'm confused. I assume Xander would help. It's Southern California. Everyone's got to have a car. Public transport's not great. You got to be on them freeways. Yeah, you need a car and you need a, a winter jacket <laughs> for when you live there. <laughs> so, uh, Do- so Dawn is standing out there and Tara reaches for her and Dawn gets upset and she runs up to her room and we do not hear the door slam because Michelle Branch is playing, but we know that she slammed the door. Okay, but I think Dawn's upset because she doesn't know what to say because the only thing she knows how to scream is get out, get out, get out. But that's the opposite of what she wants stay to say in, here. Stay in, stay in, stay <laughs> in. <laughs> yeah um this is hard for dawn though come on everyone keeps leaving dawn no wonder she she just keeps stealing things <laughs> nothing's working out for her so as michelle sings uh the lyric the one thing that i tried to hold on to we see willow crying 
Giles is conflicted on the plane. And the last shot is Buffy. She has found Spike at, at somewhere in a dark cove. And her and Spike are making out of the bronze. Lily dances. <laughs> yeah, they are. Lips of Spike. I love this ending. Yeah. The complete opposite amount that I love the ending of Once More with Feeling where they kiss. I was like, I'm into that. Not into this. Mm. Sorry. She just wants to feel alive. It's still true. I know. <laughs> I know. Hot steak. Hot steak. They should have kicked Willow out of the house and let Tara stay. Oh, I love that yes! so much. Absolutely. Willow, if you're going to be a menace with your flowers, with your flowers in a bag, you got to go. Okay. Also, what if some of us wanted some of those flowers, right? Like you just burned up the whole bag by accident. You leave fires on when we're out of the house. Like you're a hazard. Like if they, and if, if, if their rationale behind Willow staying was, you know, we're concerned about our friend. We want to help her recover. I would get that. But like she could go sleep on Xander's couch or something. Like there are other places she could go to stay uh, where there isn't a vulnerable teenager in the house. And like, it's, it's, it's interesting. Like this is a really good scene. It's, conveying a lot of like plot in a very short amount of time but also it's just like why did terry have to be the one to leave terry did nothing wrong and yeah and then and to go back into um the buffy and spike of it all this this is a much better kiss than once more feeling i'll give you that but um i just like i said i'm heartbroken for buffy because she was like lying on the ground like she had just suffered a severe beating because of the trauma and the depression that hit her like a bus in that moment and now the next thing we see is her being sad and then making out with spike so obviously wanting to feel alive wanting to feel something and maybe throwing her body onto somebody is going to help that we don't know we're going to find out i'm sure in the next episode or two but that's heartbreaking to me that's sad right that's that's like oh no buffy like you're really really lost you're really hurting like you've already tried drinking previously you tried doing normal things with your friends. You've tried going back to school. Nothing's working. So to think that making out with someone who she actually does like loathe, I think she tolerates him. But when she looks at him in disgust, I think that's honest. So to, to feel like that is her out and that she is going to lower herself to this, that breaks my heart. Yeah. Ah, uh, who, uh, who's your hero, Steph, Lily? Who's your hero of the episode? I chose Tara and Giles for sticking to their guns. They warned they, in last episode, White right? Giles is like, I got to leave. This is for Buffy's greater good. I'm going to leave. It's what I believe is best. And Tara warned Willow, right? I'm going to leave if you fuck up again. And they both did it. So I think they're walking the walk and talking the talk at the same time. So good for them. I'm going to say Anya. I think she just had, she had a real heroes episode. She got what we all wanted, which is to make out with Giles. Um, she was the most true to herself while being while not having her memory. And now she has to live the rest of her life knowing that she could have had Giles and instead is with Sander. And that's the truest tragedy of the show. I couldn't agree more. I changed my answer. <laughs> I What you said, what you said. Anya is your hero, Steph, for living the life that you would like to live for one night. Right, exactly. My hero, like, I hear what you're saying about Tara. I just, Tara, Tara is a hero of mine always for just being so strong here. I think I'm going to say Buffy, because even without her memories, she still kicked ass in this episode. As Joan. 
<laughs> our heroes are Joan. So we do have hot stakes for this episode, but you know what? Lily is more than enough hot stakes for us. Uh, she f- fulfills what the hot stakes usually fulfill for us. So we're going to save our hot stakes for the next episode. Uh, we do have a shout out to do to a new Buy Me A Coffee supporter. Uh, thank you so much, Sima. Thank you for supporting us. You're the best. And thank you, Lily. It's so fun having your voice on here and hearing your thoughts. And again, we appreciate you bringing in the the Spike love, right? We do, we do like as much as <laughs> we get <laughs> yelled at for being a biased podcast. Um, you can come on here with your bias too. And we heard it and I love it. <laughs> so thank you so much. Yes. <laughs> yes thank you for letting me uh, spew the gospel of Spike, even though, you know, it's not that he's a bad man. He's just not a man at all. He's a vampire mm. and he's trying his best. <laughs> and his kink is to be uh, shunned and shamed. <laughs> Which we do a lot of. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're helping Spuffies. So maybe you are secret Spuffies. Ooh, no, I don't like that at all. <laughs> makes it work you're buffy you're cecily you're doing it oh my we're not inviting you back lily (laughs) this is the end of lily on our podcast no it's only the beginning i feel attacked on my own podcast (laughs) oh no no, um, you were so fun thank you so much where would you like people to find you online um and what do you have to plug other than obviously Big Bad is out right now. People can pick that up if they want a, a wonderful, if they want to explore some other AUs of Buffy. Um, and yeah. we did a whole bonus episode. You can go back and listen to our interview with Lily all about Big Bad. Uh, plug yourself, Lily. Oh, well, um, you can find me on the internet at Ms. Lily Anderson, M-S-L-I-L-Y-A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N.com on Instagram. That's pro- that's basically it. That's basically <laughs> where I am. Um, or you can type my name into uh, any wherever you get your books and find uh, Big Bad, my Buffy the Vampire Slayer novel. Uh, I've been a uh, recently won uh, an award for um, I won the Michael L. Prince Honor for my last young adult book uh, called Scouts Honor, which has been comped to a Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Woo! It's about congratulations with swords. Thank you. Yeah, congratulations. Awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah, so find my books. Um, they're more interesting than I am. <laughs> no way. Uh, we didn't invite your books to be on this podcast. Okay, yeah, so. where are your books invited? You should. <laughs> Should. Can you put us in touch with them? Do you know them? Do they talk to you? Uh, always a pleasure, Lily. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, we will. We will see if we can have you back again uh, to talk about some of the fallout from whatever's going to happen next year. You know, does Dawn continue to rebel? Does Anya realize her true feelings for Giles? Like, yeah. so many questions that need to be answered here. And we have our chosen ones to thank before we leave. Uh, thank you so much to Emma, Kyle, Destiny, Erica, Allison, Jace, Haley, Tasha, Ricky, Amy, Lizzie, Holly, Kayla, Jordan, Julian, Nicola, Luis, Joshua, Reese, and Susanna. That's a wrap. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next week. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can't afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join us in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook prophecy underscore girls on twitter also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website prophecygirls.ca where you can find the link to our discord can't wait to hear from you praise malik see you next week